0: This is the retirement toolbox, Walter Storholt, or should I say the retirement cool box, as we established on the last show, if you listen to it. Uh, Walter here with Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you in the greater Cleveland area and also an office in Bradenton, Florida. Skyboxfinancialgroup.com, your place to go to find out more information. Scott, do you have uh, a lot of common sense, you think?
1: You know, I like to think so. I guess it depends who you ask. If you ask my wife, she probably would say no. But if you ask my coworkers, I would think they'd say yes. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh,
0: what about among uh, today's retirees and pre retirees? Do you think people follow good common sense planning practices uh, very frequently?
1: Well, you know, it's definitely everybody knows what is common sense, but people don't necessarily follow it. Mm.
0: Like, you know what you should be doing, but you're not doing right. it anyway.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're going to cover lots of examples of that on today's show, and we're going to try and learn through some, I guess we'll call it uncommon sense, even though these are technically basic common sense things that everybody agrees with. But when we actually look at behavior, it turns out these things aren't so common. So we're going to talk about that on today's show. Plus, we've got a great listener question that we're going to answer as well. That comes to us from Michael, and a little preview. Michael's wondering about having a couple of uh, old 401ks kind of sitting around from previous employers and companies and wondering what to do with those. So we'll get into the specifics of his question and more on today's show. But let's dive into the common sense conversation here, Scott, and let's start with an easy one. Buy low, sell high. That's a pretty easy one to agree with. Like, you know, if someone says you should buy high and sell low, it's just flat out dumb. You won't find anybody that disagrees with the sentiment of buy low, sell high. But you know what? When you look at behavior and what happens in practice, people sell for a loss and they do the opposite of that common sense all the time.
1: Yeah, boy, who hasn't heard buy low and sell high, right? I mean, it it makes sense. You want to do that in everything. You know, whether, whether you're buying a house, an investment. You know, a car, whatever it is. You always want to get it cheap and sell it at the best price you can. But unfortunately, when it comes to investing, there's something that comes into play called emotion. Emotion messes up a lot of do-it-yourself for investors because it's very easy trap to fall into. You buy You know, your neighbor, you're outside in the yard, and the neighbor comes out, and you're chatting, and he's like, hey, guess what? I bought this stock, and I made so much money on it. And you're like, oh, great. That's I want to make money. Who doesn't want to make money? And so you go, and you you buy the stock, and it drops. Then you start freaking out, thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose. It's going to go to zero. I'm going to lose everything. And you end up selling it. And that was all completely based on emotion. You were emotional, the reason why you bought it to start with. And you were emotional, the reason why you sold it. So emotion is a big barrier for a lot of people when when we're talking about buying low and selling high. So that's why I always encourage everybody is, you know, it's not horribly hard to invest your own portfolio. It's a little bit harder to tactically manage it and maybe move it around a bit. But the reality is, hiring somebody just to get that emotion, putting the logic into that portfolio is going to save you a lot of money over the long term.
0: Yeah, emotion can cause a lot of problems for us. And buying low and selling high is definitely one of those areas. So let's follow the common sense advice there. Keep that in the back of your mind whenever you feel those emotions tugging at you to maybe make a bad decision. We also see this happen, Scott, when people talk about taxes and they say, uh, you know, the advice is, hey, don't pay more in taxes than you have to. Don't give Uncle Sam uh, an extra dollar, you know, than, than needed. I don't think anybody voluntarily signs up to pay extra taxes, you know, unless I guess they feel like the government's a beacon of efficiency and virtue, perhaps. Uh, but many people do pay more in taxes than they have to. What, what are the reasons behind that?
1: Yeah, everybody wants to pay their fair share, right? But nobody wants to pay more. Just my fair and, share, yeah. Yeah, and every, everybody says that, right? But the problem is, is that this is something, not emotion, this is simply something that happens because of people's lack of understanding and preparation. See, the thing is that when you don't plan for taxes in your retirement, or plan for taxes, or do any type of tax planning ahead of time, this is how you get yourself into a pickle. A lot of people, they go in every year, they, get, they go to their CPA, they get their taxes done. Their CPA's job is to save them money on taxes today. And that's good, okay? But at the same time, you sacrifice sometimes paying taxes, more taxes than you have to later on. And then also, your kids might end up paying a lot more in taxes on your money because you didn't prepare ahead of time. So I think a lot of people know this, they want to prepare, but they simply don't understand and they don't do that preparation in order to pay the least amount of taxes that they possibly can on their savings and on their retirement income when they get into retirement. So th- this is something where it's, uh, when you have a holistic financial plan created, taxes are gonna be included and be a big part of that.
0: Taxes, 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 every conversation has to include it if we're talking about financial planning and retirement. it's another big one where the common sense is actually more uncommon. We want to reverse that for you. Another example where we see this, Scott, as well, uh, common sense, you want to keep your costs low when it comes to investing and saving. It's no secret that lower costs within your investments are going to let your money grow faster and keep more of it in your pocket. But people still end up coming to you, I bet, saying, I've got this you know, XYZ financial product, and boy, it's got some really high fees. What can we do about that? How do people still end up in these things?
1: Actually, Walter, people come to me saying, hey, you know what? I got this thing. It has no fees. And then I realized that there's a bunch of fees in there that they don't even realize. Oh, that's probably even worse than the other one. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually more common because I think a lot of people – you know, when, it, when it comes to trying to keep costs low, we all know we want to pay the lowest cost on anything that we do, but we want to get the best results possible. When it comes to investments, a lot of people will focus simply on the returns and not focus on those costs. And a fee drag you know, can really pull down a lot of the times the returns of a portfolio. So it's very important that you know exactly what you're paying. There's The financial industry is great at hiding fees and stuff. And that's why when I talked to people and I said, you know, here's the cost. This is why they're doing it. You know, a lot of the times people I remember back in the day would be like, yeah, you know what? You know, picking on Fidelity. Hey, Fidelity's got no low mutual funds. And I said, well, do you really think Fidelity has all those nice shiny brochures because they make no money? You know, they absolutely do make money, and and there's trading costs and all other sorts, types of of hidden fees inside the no-load mutual funds. So, you know, there's cost to everything you do. It's just understanding them, knowing how much they are, and then weighing the benefit to those costs. And I think that's important. That's where most people overlook.
0: Yeah, a lot of people won't, uh, won't be prepared for uh, that conversation. I'm sure that you probably have to wait a few minutes before, you know, revealing to those folks that come in thinking they've got no fees. And it turns out not only do they have fees, but they're high fees. Imagine you got to like take a step back for a second, Scott, and let that absorb a
1: little bit. Yeah, most people just simply have not really taken the time to understand what they're exactly paying for. That's
0: a great point. All right, learning through uncommon sense, the common sense that's actually, you know, not that all that common or uh, sort of uncommon actually in practice. And another, where, another place where we see this, Scott, don't put all your eggs in one basket. We've all heard that for many, many years, the importance of diversification in all aspects of life. Yet people, when they come to meet with you, you probably find out they still don't have really a, a
1: truly diversified plan, right? Well, there's a couple ways you could be diversified too, Walter. Mm-hmm. One of the things I just saw last week when when a client came in is that they had their company four oh one K plan and they had a big chunk of their company four oh one K plan in their company stock. Now the company stock had done really well. They had, you know, really done well with it. But I said, now you're getting at that point to retirement. And I said, you know, we we have to avoid having too many eggs in one basket. And people know that, but they can kind of get caught up in the, I don't know if it's really the greed factor, but more the, hey, it's not broken. You know, wait, how does that saying go? If, if it's it not broke, broken, it. there you go. That's what I was reaching for, man. Yeah. So I think people kind of fall in that mentality a little bit. So that's one type of diversification. And I had another client, you know, had the same problem with gold had too much in actually physical precious metals that, and we diversified out of that because there was a too big, she had about 40% of all her retirement savings tied up in that. It had done well for her in the past, you know, six months, not so well over the past several years, but, you know, concentration on single securities within an asset class is one way people aren't diversified, like holding a lot in one stock. Another thing, too, is you, you also need to be diversified and avoid that all eggs in your one basket when it comes to different types of asset classes or investments. So you don't want to have too much in stocks, even though you may have several different stocks in there. You don't want to have too much in stocks or too much in bonds or too much in cash. Um, that's another way that people get too many eggs in one basket. They, they focus on, on what they think is the right thing to do but they again they you know don't follow that common sense rule. So diversifying like that when you work with a professional they're going to spot that right away. They're going to see, "Hey, you got too much, you know, too many eggs in this one basket. We should look at doing this and this and that and kind of, you know, get you headed in the right direction."
0: Great points all around, Scott. One more example I want to bring up and it's back to talking about the stock market and it's about market timing and that it's virtually impossible. And I feel like every time we say that, or when you mention it in workshops and seminars and those kinds of things, everybody probably nods along. But behavior sometimes, and maybe most frequently, doesn't line up there either.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I hear this all the time. Now, anybody that's listening to this podcast has heard me say this many times before. The markets are driven by news. You can't predict the news, thus you can't predict the markets. So when you're doing market timing, a lot of people... They they will simply kind of, you know, let that emotion get into play again, like I did with that when I explained the scenario again with the neighbor. So a lot of people will buy something and then say, well, I'm going to, you know, just hold on to this, see if it goes up. It goes up, but they have no plan on when they want to get out. And that, that's kind of a, a another point to this too, is that if you try to time the market and you do all your research and and you even though I think you can't do it on a consistent basis successfully. And, you know, research after research and paper after paper have proven that you can't do it consistently. You know, if you say, I'm going to buy this stock at $10 and I'm going to sell it when it gets to $12, you know, and you stick to that plan and you do that, well, then it works. And then you'll say, well, if it goes down $2, I'm going to sell it too. But emotion comes into play and people say, well, you know what? It's down $2, man. I think it's going to go up. And then it goes down $4. And you still haven't sold it. Or the opposite happens. It goes up $2. You're like, boy, this thing's going to keep going up. And then it comes right back down. And, and you end up losing that 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 gain that you had in there. So, you know, marking timing does not work on a consistent basis. And even if you have those plans, you you know, and you try to do that, you got to stick with that because greed and emotion. We'll always get in the way to doing the common sense thing in this point.
0: All great points, Scott, and if you have questions about something that we've talked about on today's show, if you've struggled following any of this common sense, yeah, I I have tried to market time before, or maybe I do have all my eggs in one basket in some way, shape, or form in my portfolio, or boy, I really don't even know what I'm paying in fees in my portfolio, have an analysis done. Uh, Come in for a free consultation with Scott. He can run through all of these things and uncover some of the pitfalls that you can see are very obvious if you start looking for them in your financial plan. Um, you know, do, are you paying more in taxes than you have to? That's an important question to answer. Scott can help propose all of those questions to you and uh, then help you answer them as well to make sure that no stone is left unturned when it comes to your retirement preparation. If you want to set up that time to meet for a free consultation, you can do that by calling triple eight seven four two zero one eleven, or go to talktoscott.com and schedule your free consultation right from your smartphone or computer. That's talktoscott.com, and if you're listening on an app today, you can find that information in the show notes or description section of your podcast app. If you're listening to us on the website, then it should be pretty obvious where all that contact info is there right on the page. Uh, that's a great topic, I think, to cover for today. Let's all follow that common sense a little bit more frequently in the future. It's getting to know you time. Hey. Well, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better, and my fun question for you this time around, Scott, uh, has to do with brands. Is there a brand that you are most loyal to?
1: Well, Walter, I would say Apple is probably a brand I'm loyal to, not because I want to, because I feel I have to. Okay. Okay. Uh, like when it you, comes
0: to you chose it and now you're kind of stuck with it because they make you stay in their ecosystems. In, in yeah,
1: yeah, with the phones now, not with the computers, but with the phones and the iPads. I mean, all my kids have Apple products. They have I, you know, they get the Apple computers, and you know they're i messaging all the time. And I feel if I get rid of my iPhone and get an Android phone or something like that, you know, I I'll lose a lot of that those options I have you know, with, with messaging and things like that with, with the kids. So I feel I am loyal to them, but I don't necessarily want to be, <laughs> if that makes <laughs> right. any sense. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat, just the opposite. So I guess I'm more loyal to uh, Google, you know, like in just mm-hmm. using Android-based products for technology and that sort of thing. I feel like that's maybe the only brand that I really truly have some loyalty to. I can't think of anything else where I'm really all that, you know. All that big, or like it must come from this or must be a this brand. Okay, yeah, I'll go. I mean, I'll go. I'll go. Radio and podcasting on you. I'm very loyal to uh, Yamaha mixing boards. Okay, <laughs> sounds a little nerdy,
1: <laughs> but that's okay. A little little nerdy. What, I guess. Whatever works for
0: you. Yeah, yeah. I like huh. the product that they put out for mixing boards. Oh, Bose. I'm I'm a big Bose fan. Okay. Although okay. I say that as I'm wearing a brand new pair of Sony headphones, but I definitely have more <laughs> Bose stuff than anything else. But yeah.
1: You know, and I would tell you with shoes, too, I, I have a tendency, though I'm not 100% loyal, but I usually buy Brooks tennis shoes. Okay. and I'm wearing uh,
0: Brooks right now, actually, as we speak.
1: Because the, they, they just feel the best on my feet. They're the most comfortable. And, uh, you know, so I would tell you 90% of the time I would pick Brooks. Now, if somebody came out with a better shoe that worked better, I'm not that loyal. I'm, I'm going to buy the new shoe, right? So, mm-hmm.
0: But still, you, that, that, at least that's what you're turning to frequently. Where do you go to get your Brooks? Do you guys have Fleet Feet up there?
1: That's exactly where we go, okay. to a Fleet yeah. Feet.
0: Yep. When I first did a Fleet Feet and where they actually measure your foot and then have mm-hmm. specific shoes that match, and they put a pair of Brooks shoes on me, it was, um, it was incredible. It was a never going back to like a regular rack room pair of shoes. Why, why would you? Right. There's just something about getting that right fit that makes all the difference in the world.
1: And you wear them all the time, and you know the last time I went in there, they read, the, you know, they did the feet measure thing again. But now they have like a three D model of your feet, and they email it to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, we did the three three D cool. model last time we were in; it was really cool to see.
1: And then, of course, they upsell you on some sort of insert for your shoe too. Sure, yeah,
0: we we didn't go that route necessarily, but <laughs> I, they do have some nice socks too. Way too expensive for what socks should cost, but. Very nice. Oh, I'll throw in one more. Arctic Cool. What's an Arctic Cool? They do uh, shirts mostly. Um, So they're like, uh, you know, moisture wicking, very good, lightweight shirts. Mm -hmm. But they're like, you can work out in them. Um, They're quick drying. Um, They're just really comfortable. And But then you can also, they're like nice enough though to where you could just wear it as a normal shirt out and about. They're very versatile. And then they make the exact same shirt, but they put a, a collar on it to make it more like a golf shirt. But it's you know just okay. like an athletic T shirt, but I just really like the the brand and the fit and everything about them. Okay, well have I've, be- to check I've those become out. very loyal to them. Okay, um, over the last uh, year or so since I started buying them, so yeah, check it out, Arctic Cool, pretty good, uh, pretty good stuff. All right, yeah, there you go, some cool brands. Uh, we were more loyal to more brands than I think we thought we were when we started th- the segment. I think we were. We uncovered a few extras there. And there you go. Uh, let's answer a listener question on today's show as we open up the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And our question this week comes to us from Michael, and uh, it's a good one. Michael says, I have several old 401ks from companies that I used to work for, and I'm getting tired of keeping up with all these different statements. Can I just combine everything into one account? Or maybe the question I should be asking is, should I combine them?
1: Well, you know what, Michael? That's a very good question. It's something I hear all the time one of the factors that people turn to is simply just convenience, right? And like you said, Michael, is that you've got six different 401k plans from six different companies. You get six different statements. None of them are invested with any type of consistency. One you you picked when you were in your 20s and it's super conservative. And another one you picked in your 50s and it's, you know, I mean, super aggressive in your 20s, super conservative in your 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 50s. So, Combining those together usually works out best for most people. Number one, that it's much more simpler for them to follow and keep track of. And number two, you can roll them over into your current 401k plan. You're always able to do that. But also a lot of people choose the option that you roll them all out into a IRA at another institution, because now it opens up all the different investment options that are available to you, as well as if you're working with a professional, they have much more flexibility on what they're able to purchase for you to kind of more fit what your investment needs are. 401ks are kind of, they're designed for accumulation. Most 401ks are going to have limited investment choices available in there. So sometimes people opt for moving them out, but you can also just combine them into your current company 401k plan. One of the things to think about, though, is that if you do decide you want to move it out into a traditional IRA outside of the 401k plan, you can't move your current 401k plan if you're still working there. If you're under age 59 and a half, you have to keep that money there. Uh, So I would suggest, Michael, that you you talk to a professional, kind of get a strategy together, make sure it's done right, because if you start moving around 401ks and you don't do it right, you could create some serious tax issues for yourself.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, you got to execute those things perfectly to make sure that you don't mess it up. And uh, sometimes the mistakes that can be made there are very easy to make. Uh, They're silly mistakes, but they have major consequences. So make sure you elicit some help with dealing with that kind of issue, Michael, so that you can put yourself in a good position going forward. Should give you some things to think about there. If you want to get in touch to talk more specifics about something like that, uh, maybe related to your own financial life, feel free to give Scott a call at 888-742-0111 or go to talktoscott.com to schedule a free consultation. That's talktoscott.com. And we'll put that contact info in the description of today's show for you to find. Scott, thanks for the help on today's program. Enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your month. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: I love it, Walter. Every day I do a podcast is one of my favorite days. And makes you just that much cooler. Yo.
0: Based on our previous show. Yeah. By having your own podcast. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, Very good. We'll join you again next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Thanks for listening.
1: Go try.